This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hi, this is Stan Bush. Hi, this is Stephanie Calvert. This is John Payne. This is Jack Hughes. Hi, I'm Carrie Stevens. Hey, everybody, this is Prescott Niles. Hello, I'm Kofi Baker. This is Tony Franklin here. Classic Rock fans, we are hanging out here uh, live at Rockin' Pod 2023. We've had a full day of events here. It's been a total riot. This is our first time ever in at Rockin' Pod and our first time in Nashville. Uh, we're having a great experience all the way through. We'll talk about that in a second here. Uh, the event is starting to wind down for the day, but for my first time in Nashville and my first time at Rockin' Pod, big thumbs up. So. Chris, how are you liking it so far? Uh, it is the nicest city I've ever been to. Yes. You know, and it's just, and there's so much to do. It's so, uh, it's just a great experience all around. Only been here for a day and a half or whatever, but I mean, I've just gotten the sense that I want to come back. Let's, let's do the short version of our just awesome day yesterday before we even had the Rock and Pod thing start. We flew in and arrived here at 7 a.m., so we were both on like four hours of sleep. Okay, and uh, what did we do for breakfast? We went to Manel's in Germantown, and shout out to Manel's, one of the best breakfasts, maybe the best breakfast I've ever had. Yeah, and that was awesome, that was family style, and we met some people who were there also, and uh, including a gentleman named Jeff, we have to give a shout out to, who was the nicest guy, and has a kick-ass dog named Kylo Ren. All right. <laughs> and uh, that gentleman gave us uh, a ride from the restaurant to downtown, and uh, which was just awesome. And then when we were downtown, we had a funny moment because we it was only at about 9.30, and we needed some place to hang out and kill time because we couldn't check into the hotel. It was too early. And um, set up here didn't start till noon, so we, we had like two and a half hours to kill. I wanted to go to Margaritaville. I wanted to go to Margaritaville. I know he didn't. <laughs> Because there's a Margaritaville Joe in like every major American city. Right. We could go to Applebee's after this. You want to go to Applebee's after this? <laughs> I mean, yeah. There's also a Hard Rock Cafe around here. We didn't see that, um, which I know you is also high on your list. So I, I drag him over to Margaritaville, and there's a line to get in. And we think, oh, okay, they must be just about to open. Let's get in line. So we go around to the back of the line, again, 9.30, and I say to the guy in front of us, 
Hey, are they just about to open? And he shakes his head, no, it opens at 11. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, we're not fucking waiting an hour and a half to get in to Margaritaville. Now, it's important to remember that yesterday was St. Patrick's Day, so that's probably why there was a line. Luckily, just down the road, we found the Redneck Riviera, which is owned by country star John Rich. That was open. We went in there. The staff of that place was very nice, uh, particularly the bouncer. We went in there, got a couple of beers, had a good time, and then we Ubered our way over to the convention here. Got ourselves set up, uh, met Chris and Aaron from the Decibel Geek podcast who are uh, running this whole thing. It was great to meet them. And then uh, at this point, jet lag was really starting to kick in, so we were pretty tired. And uh, we went back to the hotel to get checked in and got something to eat. Where did we go to eat? Uh, a place called The Local. Oh, that's right. It's okay. Yeah, good, good burger. It was not a Manel's. It was yeah. not a, you know, but it was a good, good burger. Yeah. Uh, and then we went to the East Side Bowl for a pre uh, Rock and Pod event. Uh, there was a concert there. It was called Rare Hair. It was like a superstar group doing 80s cover songs, uh, which was a lot of fun. Not just 80s either. Oh, that's correct. They cast a wide net. It was great. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. High energy show. Met some people down there. Uh, met some of the gentlemen who run uh, Pantheon podcasts, uh, who were very nice and, and, and welcomed us up to their. Uh, 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 booth or vantage point sort of uh, above the stage. We got to watch a little of the show from up there. So that was a hoot. And uh, yeah, great night for music. And I can't believe I stayed awake for all of this because I was running on fumes at that point. We probably got out of there at about 10, 30, 11. Went back to the hotel. And I will say this, it was fantastic. We got back to the hotel and there was a woman. Oh, yeah. Because again, St. Patty's. Okay, well, oh, I that's was, right. I had, I had left for a moment. And I came back. I forgot about that. Yeah, I was trying to sleep. You were trying I to heard sleep. This, but what did you see? Well, I got off the uh, elevator and heard a, a, a kerfuffle, uh-huh. a bit of a commotion, and it, there were several people popping their heads out of their uh, respective rooms to watch, as a, a a man and a woman were trying to get another woman off the floor, whose head was in a waste paper basket. Vomiting uh, probably the most violently I've ever seen another human being vomit. It was loud enough that I heard the commotion and I had a pillow over my head. I was trying to sleep. It was so loud, I just assumed you were talking to someone out there. Very loud voice. <laughs> Pot ca- calling the kettle black right now, but uh, loud. Yes. Uh, so that was an experience. We did finally get some sleep. Woke up today. Uh, got here at about 9, 9.30. And we set up. We've been meeting some fellow podcasters and other people promoting uh, the products and bands that uh, they're a part of. And we did some interviews today. We did three interviews today. We talked to Hollywood from Glow. We talked to uh, FX artist Mick Strong, who's uh, worked on several uh, movies that you would know from the 80s. And uh, the big one was B.B. Buell, who's got a new book out. So... Uh, This was a terrific round of interviews, and uh, the rest of this podcast is going to be those interviews. So if you're a fan of uh, old school, uh, gorgeous ladies of wrestling, 
Uh, we got Hollywood to talk about her time in GLOW, talked about her perspectives on the WWF in those years. We talked about what she thinks of uh, Hulk Hogan and um, his moniker in the 90s, which is similar to hers. And uh, we talked about her, uh, her time on uh, Married with Children. The next interview is with Mick Strong. And Mick has uh, a book out, which we actually didn't talk too much about. He told us a little bit about the book. That's about Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, the sequels uh, that he worked on in that series. The questions I asked him were about Runaway Train and Breakin' 2, because those are canon films, and my buddy Austin wrote uh, the canon film guide. Also, I love the film Runaway Train, and I think he was happy to, to talk about those. I don't know if he gets asked about Runaway Train too often, but he told us some absolutely hysterical stories. So be sure to stay tuned and check those out. Those are a lot of fun. And, and, and he kissed me. Oh, and he did give him a kiss. Gave me a big kiss. Yeah, yeah, gave you a big right kiss. Here's a photo of that. <laughs> You gotta put that on a poster in your living room. Oh yeah. So thanks to Mick for that. And then finally, uh, in the interview with BB Buell, we talk about uh, the new book she has out. We talk about her debut EP from the early 80s that was produced by Rick Ocasek and Rick Derringer. And she talked about uh, the encouragement and support she got from Rick Ocasek, uh, which was uh, very heartfelt. And we talked about her role in jumpstarting one of my favorite projects of the 80s, the Power Station. A lot of people don't realize that she was pretty instrumental to getting that band started. So we asked her about that, and uh, she told her story there. And hopefully uh, all three of these people will come back for you know longer in-depth interviews. I, I really enjoyed talking to all three people. They all... Uh, tell some great stories and they, they practice up. So thank you very much to Hollywood, Mick Strawn, and BB Buell. Uh, made for a great uh, experience here at Rock and Bot. Oh, I almost forgot. We got a photo with Ron Keel. I was just about to say, don't forget Ron Keel. Yeah, we got a, yeah. a picture with Ron Keel. Uh, he, he was saving his voice tonight, so he couldn't talk too much, but he, he was very nice. And uh, that, that was awesome because he's like the big star of this event. Uh, and he, but he made time to pop over to our table and, and post for a picture, which is... And he did talk a little bit. I mean, on camera, he was he's surprisingly uh, gracious, and it was very, very nice of him to, to stop by. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, we're just about to wrap up now. All in all, Rock and Pod has been an awesome experience. I hope I can do this again in the future. Uh, so, Chris, thank you so much for joining me down here. Oh, I hope been, you've enjoyed it, too. It's been a blast. Okay. Thank you. Stay tuned for those interviews, and thank you for watching. And uh, what can I say? Rockin' Pod 2023. Keep rockin'. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So we are here at Rockin' Pod with Hollywood from GLOW, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. Hollywood, how are you doing today? I am doing very well. How are you doing today? Good. This is our first time at Rockin' Pod. Have you oh, been here before? I, I have, but not at, on this side of oh. the table. I've been on that side of the table. Okay. Yeah. New experiences. So uh, you were in GLOW back in the day, and you were a heel in those years, right? Love it. Yes. yes. I, I love the heels. Right? What's your favorite thing about being a heel? Ooh, so you get away with everything, as you know. Um, to me, there's no wrongs or no rights. So it's interesting because I, you'll go on tour, you know you're doing your job when you got everybody booing you, right? And then at the end of the show, which is always interesting, the same people that are booing you will be the first people to come up for an autograph. <laughs> So I'm like, wait a minute, I, I saw you two guys down there, you were booing me. I know, but right. we love you, Hollywood. <laughs> so it's it's kind of, a, it's a pretty cool thing. What was some of the fun stuff that you would do to uh, prove that you were a heel? So one of the things that I would do before the show even started, uh, before the audience got in, before any of the girls got in, I would hide stuff under the ring. Oh. So these cords that you see here, yeah. I would, I would have our uh, camera guys lay out certain cords. Of course, everything's black, so they would put a certain colored tape. Hollywood, you'll pull that one. Or I'd grab water okay. and stick it under there. And so the look of surprise on everybody's face when they're not expecting it, because we all know basically what pro wrestling is, mm -hmm. cuts down on injuries. We know certain things that are going to happen, but I did not at that point yeah. want them to know. And the look, oh my God. The look of surprise on their faces was just unbelievable. So you prove it that way, yeah. or you ask a fan, give me your belt, who's got a belt, oh. who's got a belt? Hollywood, here's the belt, grab the belt, throw it around the neck, throw them back in. Oh, wow. You know, or grab their drink, drink it, throw it in their face. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> they're, they're, those are the things that I did. Yeah. Um, to, that's, and that's the funnest thing, it's all spontaneity. And that's the stuff that the heels can get away with, but a baby face can't do it. But if a baby face did it, 
I would be like, wait a minute, that's right. my gig. What, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And that used to happen actually with the farmer's daughter and I had this back and forth thing, back and forth thing for years. And do you know why? Because we went to the same high school. So we had three farmer's daughters. Sally, the farmer's daughter that wore the red top, was the girl that I went to high school with. And we both wanted to win. I'm a heel, she's a baby, but man, she would do stuff sometimes that I would the look of surprise on my face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we if you got to see those matches, you definitely were in for a great night because you got your money's worth for sure. And back then, well you you two were friends, right? And acquaintances. Oh, okay. We really didn't like each other, oh, so interesting. that's why. But you know, when you're twenty two years old, it's a it's a whole different mindset. You know, there's this little jealousy thing. Well, oh. I know the same people you know. I want to win, I want to win. I didn't have that with anybody, but her and I definitely had that weird chemistry. A rivalry. A rivalry. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Did you have friends who were baby faces? Oh yeah. And then back in those days, you had to like keep kayfabe, right? Where you couldn't be seen with each other and that kind of stuff? Kayfabe. Yes. I love it. I know a wrestling Is there term. Is a band called kayfabe <laughs> around here? What is, did you know that? Yeah. Cave Yes, we had we had a good girls bus and a bad girls oh, bus. Yeah. Okay. One of my I, I did go back and watch a lot of the old glow episodes and one of my favorite things that you all did was you would do those raps when you would come out to the ring. remember any of those raps and can sure, we hear you sure. what can you bust out well Hollywood is here to rule the ring beating on people is my thing the fans know I'm really hot there's not a move I haven't got I'm tough wild strong and slick and I know every dirty trick I'll beat you every chance I could you just don't mess with Hollywood Whoa! That's, that's, a, that's incredible yes this is our first ever interview. And you know what? And I haven't done it in a long time, so you got me early because early the oh. brain is working much better than the end of the day. Well, that was, that's, that's incredible. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, one person that I know was associated GLOW, worked with GLOW, um, and, and someone that I was aware of is, is Jackie Stallone. Right. And I, of course, am a big fan of actually both of her sons. Right. And could you, you know Frank as well? Yeah, yeah. I love I love Frank's oh, cool. music. Yeah, I, I like yeah. the like, stuff that he does. And I wonder, could you tell us, like, what, what did Jackie do with Glow, and, and, wh and how, what do you remember about her? That's a good question. So we used Jackie for PR. Yeah. And Jackie was the good girl's manager. Oh, okay. We had Aunt Kitty, and Aunt Kitty actually was... Her nephew was our director, so that's how Aunt Kitty and she was. But but Jackie, oh my God, Jackie loved that stuff. You could, yeah. you know, Sly. Somebody worked with Sly Stallone on his new movie called what is it? Uh, not movie, but the new uh, series. Oh, the new, oh, Oklahoma. Uh, yeah, Tulsa. That's right. Which is fantastic, by the way. Yes. And he's amazing. And somebody worked on that set. I think it was Johnny C, which was our which was our second announcer uh, in season three and four, and he was on the set. He said, I'm Johnny C. I worked with your mother with Glow. And he goes, she loved that shit. <laughs> That's exactly what Sly yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she would just knock out some of the strangest answers um, because we did Family Feud. And when we were on Family Feud, I did 15 shows, meaning 
when you're on a set of Family Feud, you're taping five shows. Oh. So it was three different times I did that, and, and she was on one of them. Okay. And of course, you know, she would come up with the most outrageous stuff. But you know what? We were, it was for charity, and we were doing everything for charity back. I mean, when when we did those. Yeah, that's that's all. I mean, I think I saw one of those. Isn't Sting in one? Yeah, him and I are, are uh, team uh, team captains. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. cool. And that, that, that's... Jim Ross is in with that one as oh, well. Oh, Jr. Awesome, yeah. Yeah. yeah, awesome, awesome. So yes. So let's talk about uh, uh, some of the you know pro wrestling because one of the things that like I like to watch old wrestling uh, programs and the one one major slam on the WWF back in there those days is that the women's division does, doesn't get enough screen time it at all. Did. You're right, never did. They're I, starting to do better now. Oh, of course it is now, yeah. but back then, yeah. they just Where had ballets. And they had, and they had an occasional match with two ladies for real fast. Right. But they had some talent there and they just didn't use them. Like, didn't I didn't utilize think of, it. Yeah, like, and that's why I think Glow was ahead of its time. You know, we, we, we broke that ceiling. Yes. You know, we were the ones, we were the first ones doing that 30 women tag team match. Finally, the ladies have done it right. the last couple of years. Yep. Yeah. So, if we could go back in time and, and knock some sense into Vince McMahon's head, <laughs> yeah. and there was an awesome GLOW versus WWF crossover event, when you think of some of the women back in the day, like maybe like a Wendy Richter, oh, yeah. Luna Vachon, Sherry Martel, uh, maybe even China later on, of, of, of anybody, who do you think you could have had your, your favorite matches with? Who would make a good Hollywood rival? Well, China, was she bad? Yeah, yes. Absolutely. Not China. Yeah. Uh, Wendy Richter, oh, she would have kicked my ass, I think. Well, Cindy Lauper would have been hanging out with her. I know, right? <laughs> and Lou Albino, remember? Yeah, Lou? yeah, Captain Lou. Captain Lou. I think Wendy and I would have done really well. I think so, too. She was a tough cookie. Yeah, absolutely. So, um... Oh, one, one potentially funny rival uh, that, uh, that I wanted to ask about is, what do you think about... Uh, Hulk Hogan stealing your Hollywood gimmick in the 90s. I didn't like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, Hollywood Hogan, will put the NWO title on the line. That's a great question yeah. because no one's really said that. It was mine before it was yours, Hulk. Yes. It was, yes. And the cool thing about it, at least he could do the male version-ish. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. nobody else did Hollywood. But that, because that's when he was a heel, when he was Hollywood. Right, when so he was really Hollywood. Is. Yeah. But it's okay that he did it because male. Right. If a girl did it, I would have went straight up and go, yeah, oh. you cannot have that. That is mine. Right. It, it is trademark. You have, it's, it's my name. Maybe yeah, yeah, that's yeah. mine. Oh, interesting. They might have looked it up. So there should have been a Hollywood versus Hollywood Hogan match oh at some God, point. That, that would have been, been incredible. Dream match. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, oh, thank you. Yes. So before you get out of here, one more topic I got to bring up because it is a favorite show of mine, Married with it's Children. Right. I yes, you were going to say that. Uh, I and I remember the episode uh, the, the, that you were on. You, they're out in Vegas. Uh, Al has to wrestle uh, the a big bad mama. Right. Is well, that, really, really this is how. First of all, they need to make some money, yeah. and they don't have enough money. And they see a sign that says wrestle with a glow girl and win ten thousand dollars when they say that both babe the farmer's daughter and myself walk and have conversation so what time's your match i don't know i just hope i don't get another car salesman they bite 
Count your blessings, lawyers leave greasy spots. He goes, all I gotta do is wrestle one of them. So he's all happy. Then he gets in the ring and he sees Big Bad Mama. And it was so hilarious and so funny. I'd never met the cast before, and Ed O'Neill was so funny in the ring that I was sitting there trying not to laugh. He was so hysterical. The stuff that was coming oh, out of him was, was great. We, we just talked to Bobby Brown, who had also been on the show. She said something very similar, that they were very funny. They were funny. I didn't get to meet Christina. Christina oh. stayed, she stayed in the room a lot. Okay. Uh, Faustino. Yep, Bud. Bud, yep, he would come out and hang out. Oh, I'm sure, much I'm sure younger, Bud did, yep. <laughs> you know, but everybody was, and the executive producers were so kind and so nice. Oh, and yeah. the writer, director, I think it was Jerry Cohen was uh, our director. Okay. He was so, so nice. Did you get a chance to meet Katie Seagal? I did. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, she and I, oh, when she did Sons of Anarchy? Yeah. I was all over that. Yes. I just wanted to, you know, be on the back of a bike. <laughs> you know, put me on that show. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that could have been great. That was uh, a great show. Did you know she does music? Yes, I did. Yeah, I'm, I'm big into her music. Like, I think she... Have you met her before? I've never met her. I'd love to, but I, I, I love, of course... Marcy, I met Marcy oh. at one of these at a rock and pod. Oh, Amanda Purse. Amanda, I met her three or four years, probably four. Oh, okay. When they had, I think, the very first one of these. Okay. Yeah, these go back a few years oh, now. Yeah. yeah. Nice lady. I'm also working, I have to tell you, I've got an autobiography. I've looked at the first draft. And uh, I have a lot of behind the scenes stuff, a lot of photos, a lot of really cool stuff that I. I'm gonna tell, and I'm super excited about it. I was, uh, you're, you're stealing my questions. I was, oh, gonna, I was gonna ask you next. <laughs> well, what's the timeline on that? This year, it'll be out this year. Oh, really? Because I'm working with somebody I don't write as well as. So I, I have Dan Murphy, and Dan Murphy did a, a wrestling book as well. And he's so good, and he has my voice perfectly. So, oh, awesome. You know, we just, yeah, the thing that, because he's in New York and I'm here, we have been um, like videotaping the stories, okay, and then you know writing them as we go. And then I went, I looked at the first draft. I go, oh, nope, this is wrong. This is wrong. Yeah, we. Of course, I changed things. I'm like, oh god, that was wrong. And so, but this year it'll be out. And uh, my title, I've got a uh, my working title. It's like Glow the or Hollywood the Glow Original or Glow. I think it's going to be that's a good one. Hollywood the Glow Original. I like that. That would be great. Well, I, I would tell you once that book is out, love to have you back on the show to talk I would about love it. To do that. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. I Thank you that. so much for I stopping by. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a real treat. This is our first interview of the whole thing, oh. and it was a kick-ass talk. Joe, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. All right. All right. We are here with Mick Strawn. Mick, how are you doing today? Yes. <laughs> no, I'm doing great. God damn it. That's good to hear. Damn, you know, I, I, I've gone out here and insulted very many, 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 many people. And um, some of them have even insulted me. Whoa, Son who would dare bitch, to do right? that? Uh, yeah. I'm telling you, you know, all these rock people. <laughs> oh, they're the worst! <laughs> Don't tell me Ron Keel came over and gave you the hard time. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> That's all. And there was there was a, a little freak out around all glitter. Oh yeah. Oh wait, they're all fucking all right. glitter. Wait a minute. Either that or they got stars on their pants. Yeah. Or they're wearing they're wearing things that you know later on they're gonna have to take off with paint thinner. <laughs> you know if you uh, light a match in here with all the hairspray, this oh place is gonna God. go up. <laughs> oh, oh. 
Whoa! <laughs> pull all the people with the other convention right out. Yeah, they all look like me after that's it. Exactly. <laughs> there you exactly. go. Oh man, that's great. When you were here earlier, I teased this. I, I could talk to you all day about runaway train. You runaway worked train. on runaway now, train. What the hell? Why are you so excited? I have to tell you, it's a good movie. On runaway train, in working there, we we uh, we were actually going around in the cold. We were in Alaska. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember the first time is uh, we had we had made a a version of our own train, which was uh, I think we had about six cars, a dining car. Every there was a camera car. You know there was a, one for uh, special effects and art department and so forth. And, and we we had taken a dining car and a kitchen car. You, you know we really did it upright. But what? The thing is, is we would go out on the tracks outside of uh, Anchorage, and we would start heading north. And and what everybody kept telling us is, look, here's the problem. As you're going, when you leave this train station, your chances of coming back at any given point are limited. So you have to have everything because there's all kinds of uh, ice. Uh, what do they call them? You know, tumbling ice and snow. Oh, avalanches. Avalanches. Yeah. Av there's avalanches. And we would get caught out there for like three weeks. Oh, my God. God, it was really weird. But but you know what? We, we had lots of lobster and stuff oh, like that. Okay. Because lobster was cheap. Yeah. And, and I remember the first time, I was a Southern California boy, right? Oh. And so I remember the first time we opened the door and we had to go out and we had to go, uh, they had these signs that said Alaska, Alaskan uh, Railroad, and we had to go Greek them out. Yeah. What does that mean, to Greek it, them out? Well, we, we couldn't show that to people because oh. it was an undefined place. Oh, oh, oh. Right, right, we didn't, so, I mean, nobody had ever catch it in a million years, but right. you know what, we still have to do it, right? And so, I, I, I opened the door to the train, and son of a bitch, but I thought, well, this is gonna be easy because the snow just went almost directly from you know, the deck wow. straight out. And I thought, well, yeah. well, how nice is that, yeah. right? I swear to God, I took one step outside and all of a sudden, there was this disconcerting movement. And the next thing you know is I'm looking up this little tunnel that I can see the door <laughs> up through a tunnel in the snow. And from then on, I thought, oh, this is going to be a motherfucker. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just dragging and tunneling. So what we would do is we would literally tunnel from one side to the next because we didn't want to show our... Yeah. So we didn't want to walk up on top of the snow. Right, right, right. Because that was our set dressing. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we were literally learned how to like just scoop the snow side and just go, you know, from one right down the tracks and stuff. I am so, you know, we lost like six cameras on that fucking oh, show okay, in yeah. the snow, right? Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm sure at least two crew members <laughs> still out there. Have you, know? you have you ever, ever had a shoot like that before or after? Uh... Dealing with a lot of snow yeah. like that? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. No, I mean, what What are you going to get into? I, I, I remember. Maybe if you, I don't know if you did a movie in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I remember, like, getting off the fucking plane. When I got off the plane, they were re remodeling everything, right? Yeah. And, and first of all, in landing, you come down, and and you're just under tunnels, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, you just, 
it was just wall snow, wall snow. And I remember, you know, they so they didn't have the uh, the walkway that came out. They literally came out with one of those, you know, trucks that has the staircase. And you had to go walk down it. And I'm not kidding. The door opened. There were only like four of us on the flight, and the door the door opens, and I took my first brother one. <laughs> no, no, no! This is this is horrible. I couldn't even tell that it was cold. Oh. All I knew, all I knew, is it was pain. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh my god, that's hilarious. Uh, so speaking of snow, yeah. Um, I saw just recently, it, the show's not even out yet, it was a preview, Danny, that was Danny Trejo's first movie, and he said that, uh, he, he mentioned that there was a lot of blow on that set, and I'm not asking you to get anyone in trouble. <laughs> so I go down to help this kid, right? That hey, Dan, there's a lot of blow down there on my job. But okay, was, okay. was that, do you know if that was like a pretty wild film set or anything like that? Was that a party town? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you heard it here. <laughs> uh, okay. If you asked a grip at the yep. time, you'd say, well, how long is a 40-foot grip truck? Yep. And he said, well, on the inside, it's 35 feet, of course. Yeah. Oh. And, <laughs> and it was art department's job yeah. to go into the grip truck at the very beginning of the film and build out that first five feet. Okay. You know, and we would make a little lounge of it. And then a lot of times you would take and you would go to a glass maker that would get a three inch piece of glass for the countertop that you would carve the name of the show into it. Okay. Wow. <laughs> and then and then and then it was props job yeah. to keep that leveled out. That's because amazing. because props had yeah. miscellaneous. Oh, okay. And miscellaneous miscellaneous was probably at least ten percent props. <laughs> okay. That's awesome. Oh my god. Does that give you an idea? That gives you a pretty clear idea of what how so, fun that so set was. What separated the men from the boys? <laughs> and I mean literally in age oh, sure. more than anything else is you go up to a grip and go, how long is the inside of a grip truck? Thirty five feet. Oh nice. God damn it. Yeah. Thirty five feet. Because that last feet's the important feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before By the way, Danny Trail was also in the hidden. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Right, he was one of the prisoners in The Hidden. He actually had a line. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah, he, start, he started, did a lot of movies as a prisoner. Yeah, oh, yeah, well, yeah. well he's uh, off, off come on, and Danny Trejo, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what was it like? Um, that's a famously a canon movie. Uh, what, what What was your thought on, on canon and those let me people? Tell you about, let me tell you about canon. Yeah. Movies. I just recently went to... Uh, uh, there, there was a film called Fear that was uh, filming in North Carolina okay. with Jack Shoulder. Yeah. And and we were preliminary. We were doing prelim I, we haven't shot it yet, but we were doing preliminary uh, walk around, uh, you know, uh, location scout, right? And the day that I got there, everybody was around, and they had a a, a guy by the name of Steve Marsh, who production designed Runaway Train, by the way. Um, these guys had a, uh, they had a cannon fetish. Yeah. Uh, that this film company did. Guilty. Okay. So, so anyway, Steve Marsh was the production designer, and and he he came down. He couldn't do the job, so I was coming in to replace him. So we were both in the building. We were both at a restaurant, right? And I walk into the restaurant, and they go, "Tell us a story about Canon Films, right?" Because they were all like freaked out about Canon Films, and I said, "Well." First thing I got to tell you is that Canon Films was so hated in LA, right? Hated in LA 
that they couldn't get any accounts. So you would walk in, and if you were a, a department head, there was a row behind the receptionist. There was a there was like you know one of those uh, uh, things that you put stuff in behind oh. her with cabinets. And oh stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and she'd open up the cabinet, and there'd be a whole bunch of paper bags in a oh, row, and and she would check out a paper bag to you, which would have ten thousand dollars in cash in it. And I said wow. that. I said that, and everybody at the table started cracking up and said, Steve Marsh just said exactly the same thing. <laughs> so the way that you knew that you were on a Canon Films is you had $10,000 in a brown paper bag next to you on your car going, what the fuck am I going to do with that? Well, we talked about one thing you could do with that earlier. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, man. So what was the, you were you were also on Breakin'. Breakin' 2. Breakin' 2. The other canon movie. Right, what other. was that What was that set like? Crazy. Yeah. It, oh, yeah. it, it was really weird because it was filmed in, in, in you know, uh, East, uh, East L.A. Better weather. Uh, and, oh, my God. The, the, I had this little Honda car. Yeah. And I would show up. I, I would show up, and my car would get stripped. Oh, shoot. Right? Okay, okay. By the time I was done with that show, you know, I had, like, uh, most of the windows were broken out. Uh, I was running on used tires because all my tires had been stolen. I was running on, you know, junk rims. Yeah. Uh, I had, to say that I had no radio, I mean, I had no radio as I was driving into the fucking town. Yeah. You know, I might as well have just taken it out, ripped it out, and just dropped it on the side of the street yeah. for how long it was going to be in my car. So, the DP shows up, and uh, he's going to, he goes, uh, well, Mick, obviously, we, we're not going to be able to do any of the things that we wanted to here. And I go, Okay. Because you can never really guess what a fucking DP yeah. is talking about, right? You know, it's it's like there's always so. Well, Mick, obviously, obviously, the row of palm trees going down the middle of the street because the Miracles Building, oh, had had as an entrance, they had rows a row of palm trees going down the street, yeah. right? But the last one was right on was maybe three feet away from the first platform. Where they were going to do the singing, dance, and let's put on a show. Because basically, Breaking Two is a, a Judy Garland, Mickey Rooney film. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So they do the dancing on the ceiling in that one, right? Where the right. room stands yeah, up. Yeah, and I worked it. and I worked with that room. And I got to tell you sometime about Zodiac. Oh, but okay. We'll, we'll do this later. We're going to we're going to go on from here later on. Yeah, absolutely. And I will tell you some real stories about okay. it. Okay. So anyway, so uh, he goes, we can't film, and I go. So tomorrow morning, you have this big crane shot, and you can't swing the crane around because you're gonna because the back of the crane would take out the first palm tree. Oh. Not a problem that you would have these days. A drone and everybody oh, sure. happy, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But those cranes in the old days were huge, and, they, and you had to think about like where that back was gonna go. I said, look, don't worry about it. You get here in the morning, and it's not gonna be here. Nice. So what I did was I called a broker for palm trees, right? Hey, you know, that was a thing. $10,000 is what a palm tree costs right now. Wow. And they move them around all the time because okay. they're really easy to get up. There's the there's my story. So okay. I go, I'll tell you what. Here's what I need you to do. I will give you, 
I will give you a thousand dollars and a palm tree. <laughs> That's thinking. But what you have to do is you have to drive up here at exactly 6.30. And I gave him the dress three blocks down. And then I went down there with the thousand dollars cash, put it in his hand. And I said, okay, I'm going to point to a tree. You're going to come around the corner backwards. You're going to just lean up against the tree, wrap your chain around it, and pull it and go. Yeah. Right? And he was wise enough not to ask questions like, well, who does the tree to belong to? Yeah, well, <laughs> it might be in dispute. Yeah, right. <laughs> Hell, it might be the road, co the road corporate. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. could be anybody's. So right, <laughs> right at dusk. And by the way, if you're going to do something illegal, yeah. If you're going to break the law, break the law at dusk. You've got two opportunities to break the law and get away with it. One's at dusk and one's early in the morning. Right? Not in dusk. Right, because you know that time where you can't see shit? That's when you do shit. Oh, that's right. right? Make notes, people. <laughs> we're Just telling you out there. We're, we're alerted. Yeah, yeah. So th this is, this is li life hack. Life hack. That's what they call it. It's a life hack. Yes. A pro tip. A pro, a pro tip. Pro tip. <laughs> So he zips around the corner. He, he he literally, I mean, three minutes later, the fucking tree was gone, oh. right? And and he's driving out, and I had guys come around that building with wheelbarrows of dirt. They we threw the dirt in. We tamped down a bunch of brand new asphalt and then aged it. Oh. The whole process took ten minutes, and you couldn't even tell that we had done anything. So cut to. Cut to, uh, you know, 5.30 in the morning, watching the sun come up. We're, we're there already. You know, film crew is coming in and everything. DP's just as happy as shit, you know. And uh, we're up there, and, and and all of a sudden, the guy whose house is right next to the tree, right? Literally right next to it. All of a sudden, the door opens, and somebody goes, right? And we're like, oh, fuck. Because really, honestly, this guy never would have seen it in day anything yeah, yeah, yeah. like that, right? So, so he goes out to get his paper. By the way, kids, newspaper. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to get into it, but it was there. Yeah. So his newspaper was out on the sidewalk, right? And we're all up on the building. We're looking out here, kind of like looking over the parapet, like, <laughs> and and he he he's in his robe, right? I mean, exactly like you would right, think, right. right? He comes out and he. Swings the little gate, he goes, he grabs his paper, he comes back, he swings the gate shut, he gets about two steps towards his house, and he just goes like this. He's already, you know, taking the paper out, you know, and he goes. He turns around, and he's like, well, I still to this day remember that scene of him out there, and he's looking, he looks down the street, he looks down the street, he goes like, yeah, and he goes, oh. like this. goes back in. I swear, as he as he shuts the door, he's going, "Yeah, oh my God, that's dancing." Yeah. <laughs> I've always said that you know, essentially, a film making a film crew going down the road is just a felony waiting to happen, and actually not even waiting, oh, just that's, happening. That's terrific. Are there more stories like that in this book of yours? This book has got all the stories. What's this it is, called? This is from Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Yeah. And it's an examination of a single film. There's 50 interviews in here, including like my own stuff. And um, I, I would like to read you uh, 
Oh, please do. I, I'm going to read you the back uh, uh, of it, which uh, kind of explains. It kind of it kind of sets it in the right tone. Love the glasses. The 80s were blah 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 blah. Visually stunning. Blah blah blah. Ted. Technicolor tour to four, blah, 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 blah. Freddy, blah, 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 blah. Must read, blah, 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 blah. 1988 best, blah, 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 blah. Heard it here first. Heard I love it. it. First, and I'm going to get one of these. Yeah. Last question before you go. Sure. Final one, Sophie's Choice. Dream Warriors versus Are You Ready for Freddy? And I know you're biased because you worked on one of them. Are You Ready for Freddy? Which is which is the... The, the Bad Boys. The Bad Boys. Yes. I worked on both of them. Oh, you worked on Dream, uh, Dream yeah. Warriors too? Yeah. Oh, the, the music oh. video? Yeah. Oh, man. See, if you had me back, I got incredible stories for both. Well, uh, let's let's do that. Uh, this is awesome, Nick. Thank you so much for coming by. Love the stories. This was fun as hell. <laughs> <laughs> we are here with B.B. Buell. You've got a new book out, Rebel yes. Soul. Yes. Music, uh, what is it? It's, uh, it's Musings. Music. And Magic. Awesome. There's aliens in my book, there's old stories, there's new stories, there's over 200 photos in the book. It's very photo heavy. Okay. So what made you decide to put a book out there? Because you put one out about a number of years ago, right? No, 2001. Oh, okay. I had a New York Times bestseller. Right. My book was called Rebel Heart. Yes, Madonna went on to steal my title. Thank you, Madonna. You stole my lace gloves and my corset, too. But um, the master thief, right? Um, they're always the ones that commercialize everything. Uh, what was it? Who commercialized grunge? Was it Mark Jacobs? Oh. <laughs> There's but, always somebody. Yeah, so, um, you know, I had a New York Times bestseller. I was getting ready to go on tour. As a matter of fact, I was in a taxi getting ready to go to the airport. I had finally, my dream had come true to do Oprah. This is 22 years ago, yeah. mind you. And 9-11 uh, happened. The first plane hit when I was about... Um, five minutes from the mouth of the Midtown Tunnel. So if I had gone through the Midtown Tunnel, yeah. I would not have been able to get back into Manhattan. So um, I lived on Mercer Street too, so we were able to watch all of it on my roof. Oh my God. That must have been, that's incredible. It was horrifying. Yeah. But so Rebel Heart, yes. uh, you know, for eight, I did all this promo for it, like 2020 and all that with Chris Cuomo when he was a young kid on the block and um, suddenly everything just came to a halt. My 2020 piece didn't even air for eight months because television was consumed 100% with 9-11 as it should have been. I mean, it was a devastating event. Yes. So um, what happened is a lot of people had a lot of questions about my book and I felt like I, I wrote with the wrong, no, I'm not going to say this. I wrote with a co-writer. I, I, I love my co-writer, but I should have written it alone. And, and that's what I learned with Rebel Soul. Oh, okay. I wrote it totally alone with a wonderful editor, Mitchell Cohen. And um, I just felt I had to fill in some of the holes. And there's been a lot of life that's happened to me in the, in the last 20 years. 10 years in Nashville several new records 
a reissue of my first record through Hozak. Yep, and that original record, that was, was that the one that was produced uh, by Rick Ocasek? Yes, Rick yes. Ocasek and Rick Derringer. Oh, and Rick Derringer, yes, too. two oh. songs with Rico oh. and the Cars were my yeah. band. Yeah, And then Rick Derringer. That's and awesome. And it was mastered by Ray Manzo. Oh, okay. That's terrific. I know. So, with the new book, the new book isn't like a sequel, though, isn't it? It's more of a, there, there's like a... It's a collection of sorts, like there's essays it's, in it. It's a semi-sequel, meaning that it covers a lot yeah. of stuff that's happened since Rebel Heart. Right. Um, when I wrote Rebel Heart, my husband and I were first dating. We've been together now for, what, 23 years, 24 years or whatever it is. And um, so I, I just, I've lived in Nashville, so I've done so much, in, you know, so much making so many I, I made a single with the dandy warhols oh, okay. we did a cover of femme fatale yeah. and um i've just been very busy you know jumping up on stage people bring me up on stage like i went last up, night yeah, yeah and were you there yes oh yes, so, oh so you saw me kick ass oh, yeah. okay because i i'm all you know people are always very skeptical can she rock can she move uh well, just come and I'll, I'll show you. I'll show you what Mama can do. Okay. Fun night. Oh, that was last night was a great crowd too. Nice yes, good crowd. And one of my 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 favorite things is being in my audience's face. I love my audiences, and I like to see them act happy. I was glad I got some juice out of them. You know. And they've been coming by asking you about the book. Uh, how's the reaction? The initial oh, I've reaction. Already sold 15. Oh, you got to save one for me because I'm going to come over and buy one. Oh, you're such a sweet. I, I mean, I'd love to give you one, but my publisher oh. would have. My publisher. This was an expensive book to make. Oh sure. Because it's hardcover, but the, but it's no no um one of those paper sleeves. It's the cover is okay. the whole book. So, so the art is printed right yeah, on the cover. Yeah, and, and there's like 200 photos inside. It's a very photo heavy book. That's awesome. Yeah, that's all, is, are all those photos from your personal collection or is it from yeah, other people? Or very scrapbooking. Oh, that's great. But they're also photographers like Marsha Resnick and Bob Gruen and people like that have been photographing me my whole life. Yeah. You'll see some of their pictures in there too, you know. So, with permission, of course, yes. and, and um, but yeah, a lot of the pictures in my book you have never seen them before. Okay. It's 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 uh, it's a trip. <laughs> well, well, we're, we we only got you for a couple of minutes, so I wanted to ask uh, about that first EP that you made with uh, Rick Derringer and Rick Ocasek, yes. specifically Rick Ocasek. You know, I'm a big Cars fan. It's you know, very sad that he passed away a couple of years now. Could you tell us about what Rick was, or how Rick was as a producer for you, and what he was like uh, working with you? Yeah, well, you know, a lot of people, there's a lot of sexism in our industry, as yes. you know. And a lot of people thought I must have slept with him, or, or that he was trying to get in my pants, or whatever ignorant stuff people come up with. But that was not my relationship with Rick. Right. You know, Rick, he was my mentor. He, he took me under his wing. He, I was there when he met Paulina. I met Paulina when she was 19. He was like a brother to me, a, more than a brother, like a, almost like a, a, a best friend. I, I can't explain it. But um, he said, look, if you don't get to work on this, if you don't get in the studio now, you're never going to shake the model thing and you're going to just be trapped in the girlfriend of forever and ever. 
And I said, why? Because I have good taste in men? And he said, he's like, yeah, we'll show people why you have good taste in men. Let's make our record. So he took the initiative. He, he got the cars and he did the basic tracks. And Ben Orr did a scratch vocal. But here's the secret. I would not listen to it. Rick was like, here, listen to Ben scratch. And I was like, nope. I'm the one that wanted to do fun time. You're the one that wanted to do Little Black Egg. Let me interpret the song as I hear it. Because if I listen to Ben, who's one of the greatest singers in the world, it might influence or affect how I, you know. So I ended up not listening to it till it came out in the Cars reissue. Oh, okay. And I finally listened to Ben's versions and I was like wow not far from mine you know yeah, that's good. <laughs> but Ben is such a singer so for him to go hey baby I like your old lips you know and to have serious attitude yeah. was kind of funny because he was a real singer yeah yeah he's a great singer and unfortunately because he's also been gone for a while oh, it's, it's very sad I talked to a guy who wrote a book about Ben and uh, I've, I've come to really appreciate the cars on a different level because of I realized, I didn't realize as a kid that Ben sang so much of what he did. Uh, I always called Ben Rick's girlfriend because Ben was so gorgeous. We had the same eyes. Rick used to look at both of our eyes and Rick had the same eyes too. He had those big blue eyes and we all looked like Village of the Damned. We looked like alien children. Remember that movie? (laughs) When we would be together. The blue eyes were like. Ah. Oh, and Ben had the blonde hair too, right? Oh my God, and the cheekbones. Oh, yeah. We really looked alike when we were young. It was kind of funny. People thought we were related. Oh sure. Yeah. It was funny, but um, yeah, I owe Rick Derringer and because Rick Derringer was married to my best friend Liz. Oh okay. So I owe Rick Derringer and I owe Rick Ocasek. They're the ones that got me started. And then it was Jason Flom, who is now a big, powerful guy in the yeah. music business and in the saving, you know, people that have been convicted wrongly, wrongly, oh, falsely accused. But Jason Flom, I mean, he signed Greta Van Fleet and Katy Perry. I mean, you know, everybody. But Jason is the one that gave me my first development deal um, on Atlantic Records. And... Um, yeah, so, and then I formed the Gargoyles. I mean, I, I've, you know, I've had a long musical history, which people don't seem to understand. And, you know, I was one of the first, well, I was the first woman to ever put out an independent record in an independent market and sell as many records as I did. People don't realize that in 1981, when Covers Girl came out, there was no indie market. You know, people weren't putting out independent records. Either you had a big record deal or you didn't. So I almost signed with Epic, my friend Dick Wingate. Hi, Dick. And, um, but my manager, Danny Sugarman, who also managed Ray Manzarek and the Doors, he wanted me to go with Rhino because Rhino wanted to do this innovative cover and they wanted to try the indie market. So I went along with it. I, I, I tested the waters and man, I was surprised. It was really kind of a coup in our, in our industry that an independent record could do so well. Especially with what you were saying earlier about especially, I mean, it's, it's still a difficult industry for a woman now, but back in the late 70s, early 80s, that was a very sexist time. Oh man, especially me, I had done everything. And I, I, I had, you know, gone out with some 
beautiful, exceptionally gorgeous, talented men. I had posed for Playboy. I had been in Vogue. I mean, I had done a little bit of every genre there is. So, you know, <laughs> it was, people are a little confused. Oh, you sing too? What are you, what are you, Charo? <laughs> you know, well, follow Charo on Instagram. She's brilliant. And she also plays guitar and ukulele. Yes. She's a genius. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so compare me to Charo. I don't care, baby. She's in those Disney movies doing the voiceovers. Like, she's amazing. She's amazing. So, um, so one thing you can probably tell by now with the Rick Ocasek, Rick Derringer, I'm an '80s fan. Okay, me okay. too. That's awesome. Echo and the Bunnymen. They were. Oh, my, they great were band. My favorite band. Great band. Now, one band that I, I've read that you were sort of a part of at the start of was the Power Station. I, I love that record, and it's my understanding that. You originally sang the cover of Get It On. Here we go. Yeah, tell me, what, what's the story? Me and John Taylor, we had a flirtation. But you I, must have been the envy of every woman in America. At that point, when he was opening for Blondie, when yeah. Durand wrote, are you kidding me? I think that if, if girls could have gotten away with murder, <laughs> I would have been dinner for about 50 people. But um, yeah, so what happened was he also wanted to record with me yeah. and um, I said to him I said well you know you should hear the version of Bang a Gong that I recorded with Rick Derringer this I recorded it in 81 and he's like yeah let me hear it so I played it for him and he was totally inspired he said let me create a band for you let me get in the studio and do this and blah blah blah, blah. but he was a lot younger than me and I could see that you know I didn't want to have a full-on relationship with him because I didn't want to I didn't want to break his heart. I, I didn't want to hurt anybody, but I also didn't want to break my heart. Yeah. I knew it was not going to work. Yeah. So we were doing the transatlantic thing. So I just said, oh, I don't think we should do this. Oh, okay. But my version never left his mind because yeah. he turned around and recorded the Power Station's version, I think with Robert Palmer. Palmer yep. And then there was Michael Tabar. Yep. Um, but. Uh, it was my version of being a gong that inspired the power station and finally it's starting to come to life yes i see it online now oh people are going to give me credit for something finally <laughs> gee thank you um, but let me finish it yeah. gets it gets better if you want to hear my version the reissue of covers girl is out now hozak get it Zach Records and Books, they're also my publisher. They are, they're out of Chicago. They are easily the coolest people I have ever worked with. They are amazing. But go to Hozak. And they're going to have the, the reissue that's going to include your original version. It's the remastered version of Covers Girl with two bonus tracks. An original that I wrote called I Don't Buy It. And my version of Bang A Gong that was the template for... The billion dollar version of Bang a Gun. <laughs> Dang it, where's my cut, right. baby? Wow! <laughs> but anyway, so Hozak is the coolest. Everybody needs to know about them. You yes. follow them on Instagram, they're on Facebook, they're, they're everywhere. But I decided to go this, I'm an indie. Yeah. I, 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 broke the, I broke the rules and I, I broke a lot of ground with putting Covers Girl out the way yeah. I did. 
And I decided to do that with this book. And so far, I've sold more copies of this book than I did my New York Times bestseller. Oh, wow, that's terrific. And you're going to get another one because I'm coming right over there to buy one. <laughs> I love you. Well, awesome. Thank you, everybody. Thanks so much for coming on, Bibi. This has been a real treat. Okay, but you need to go to my Instagram page because that's Instagram. Yep. Real Bibi Buell. That's right, real. I'm real. And you're also on Twitter, because I follow you at BB Buell Band. Yes, BB Buell Band on Twitter, BB Buell Band on Facebook, and then BBBuell.org if you want to go to my website. Okay, thank you so much, BB. This was a treat. All right. <laughs> Hey, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember the big four things you can do to support this show that don't cost a dime. Number one, listen to the show. If you're hearing this now, that means you did this part already. Thank you. There is an infinite amount of content out there, so you choosing to spend some time listening to this show means a great deal to me. Number two, if you like what we did here, please recommend this show to family, friends, or anyone you know who's looking for a podcast, particularly about music. Share our links in Facebook groups, subreddits, and recommendation threads. Whatever you can do is highly appreciated on my end. Number three, find us on social media. Follow us on Twitter at PlayThatPodcast. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash playthatpodcast. And subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash C slash play that rock and roll. Lots of great material like photos and vlogs on all three platforms. As play that rock and roll is very much meant to be a content hub as well as a podcast. And finally, the big ask. Number four. Please give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I know this part is a hassle, but it really does help the show a great deal. Not just because it affects the algorithm, but also because it gives me something I can point to when pitching this show to potential guests. The more social media followers and positive ratings the show has, the better chance I have for booking high-profile guests for interviews. So if you take a moment to give us even just a five-star rating, you are actively giving us a tool to do bigger and better things here. But whatever the case, I appreciate any and all efforts you take to support us here at Play That Rock and Roll. Be sure to join us next time for more great stories and music from the world of classic rock. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 